Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockham Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie, and this is a For the Box score, your post-Thanksgiving hangover, post-Arkansas hangover edition. Uh, yeah, that game sucked. We're going to talk about it because that's what we're paid to do. Uh, BK, how you doing, man? It's unfortunately, as expected. Um, so you know, we get to discuss the aftermath of both that game and the season as a whole, which is a lot less disappointing than that game. <laughs> game specifically true especially when you remember where we were week five week six um let's just let's just talk about the bad let's get the bad over with connor Bazelak, you were bad very bad uh officially uh for the for the game as a whole he finished 10 for 26 yes that is a 38.5 percent completion rating Uh, oh also by the way he uh threw for 65 yards Oh, and an interception, uh, just for good measure. And when you look at what Arkansas did, it wasn't it wasn't complicated, and it wasn't it shouldn't have been you know tough on him. But like they rushed three dudes, just rushed three dudes, almost every single play. And and really, from looking at the passing chart here, let me pull it back up. Um, he was rushed. Seven times he got pressure from Arkansas. Seven times is like the official scoring here. Um, on those seven dropbacks, when there was uh, when he was getting hurried, Bazot completed one of seven passes for eight yards. Okay, not great, but when Arkansas didn't blitz and he wasn't pressured, he completed four of twelve passes for eight yards and an interception on top of it. So it didn't matter if they were blitzing or just rushing three. He did not make the right choice and he could not find an open man. And then if he did find an open man, he couldn't hit him. And that was basically, that was the story of the game. One quarterback can complete passes and the other one couldn't. I mean, it's one of those things where this was just a culmination of everything we had seen building all year long. Right. Uh, I mentioned last week how there were like three plays that were chunk yardage that if you take those out of his overall day, it just looked abysmal. It was the same thing this week. I mean, you didn't even need to do that for it to look bad. 26 attempts, 65 yards. That's real bad. But there was also one 26 yard completion in there. So if you take that out, he was nine for 25 for 39 yards. I mean, that's that's bad for a running back, man. Like 25 carries for 40 (laughs) yards would be a bad day. 
And he did that through mm-hmm. the year, which is supposed to be the more efficient way to go about offense. I mean, I, I looked this up sports reference, which they get with a grain of salt, not always a hundred percent accurate, but more often than not, they get it pretty right. Uh, they have, according to them, Missouri quarterbacks that threw the ball at least 25 times and ended up with less than 75 yards in an individual game. It has happened twice since 2000. Uh, The players were Kirk Farmer in 2001 against Michigan State. We have referenced that game far too many times this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on Saturday, Connor Bazelak against Arkansas. It's the only two times it's happened for a Missouri quarterback in the last 20 some odd years. I mean, there's on one hand that tells you how many quality quarterbacks Missouri's had in the last 20 years and that they just haven't had these abysmal Mm -hmm. performances. On the other hand, it shows you just how bad it was on Saturday. It was in terms of guys that actually throw the ball a lot, maybe the, the least productive day that you could possibly ask for out of your quarterback. It was worse than some of the, the Corbin Burke stressor era starts. Clearly (laughs) because he was not part of that list. Matty Mock wasn't even part of that list. And man, Mock always had at least one chunk of play that would prevent him from getting one or two. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's what you're dealing with. Historically terrible quarterback play. The fact that he was out there in the first place, questionable. I think we've, we've talked about that enough in the past month, but here we are again. Um, Dave Matter was the one that asked the question in the post game presser. Now, was there any time when you thought about putting in Brady Cook? And Eli Drinkwood said no. Um, he said he didn't want to make his quarterbacks feel like they were getting punished for making a mistake. And once again said he thought that Bazelak gave them the best chance to win. Uh, point of the matter is that he's not once but twice pulled Bazelak after throwing an interception. So um, th- this is th- it doesn't mean anything. If, if Eli Drinkwood has asked that question you know, 90 times, he'll never answer it. He'll never, ever, ever answer it. Um, and so we'll never know exactly what goes into his head as to why he stands with this dude. Uh, we don't know how much of the playbook is available under Bazelak versus under Cook versus under Macon. We'll, we'll never know. And and I know a lot of people are getting frustrated with that fact. Some people chalk it up to ego. Uh, some people are chalking it up to just misplaced loyalty. Um, but however you view it, Drinkwitz's decision to stay with Connor Bazelak uh, for the past month. I mean, certainly lost us. It feels like it lost us the Arkansas game. Damn near almost lost you the Florida game. And, and going into the fall, you know, I think I've already said this on the show. I know I said it to you, BK. Connor Bazelak is going to start the 2022 season over Sam Horn. And at, it's just very frustrating. I, I think very frustrating. so. It didn't necessarily lose you the game against Arkansas. I think they were going to lose that regardless. It lost you the opportunity to be competitive against Arkansas, though. I don't know what Brady Cook would have been able to do out there against them, but I know that when he went went into the game, and yes, some of this is circumstantial, and the game was already over, and Arkansas was playing a different defense. I get all of that. The offense looked like it was moving a whole heck of a lot better when he got out there. Uh, that was an eleven play, fifty eight yard, four minutes and thirty second touchdown drive. Tyler Beatty looked like he was at his best when Brady Cook was out there as a legit threat because guess what he did the first time that they ran that read option? He pulled it. And they were saying mm-hmm. on the broadcast again, again, man, on the broadcast, which means that they heard it in their interviews that week. So they're saying this 
publicly, even if not to the media specifically. They said Connor Bazelak basically is not comfortable running the ball right now. And they said that they are saving him for very specific situations to run in. So they they mentioned, hey, maybe if it's a third down and short, that's when you could see Connor run. Well, that's not predictable at all. Um, if it's a goal line situation, maybe then you could see him run. Okay, cool, sweet. So I'm super predictable in my offense because my quarterback will never do it unless it is a third and short, fourth and short, or goal line situation. Sweet. I'm going to go ahead and note that as a defender. All of these teams know mm-hmm. that, and they knew what coming into the game that that would be the case. And then Brady Cook comes in. It's like, oh, cool. First play. I'm going to go ahead and pull this, and it's going to make you think about it. It at least makes that defender that they're reading think twice. And that is the value in having that guy come in there. But we've talked about this all before. Um, it it doesn't much matter. Brady Cook is clearly not the answer. And that is not me saying that. That is the coaching staff saying that. They told you what their actions. Mm-hmm. Listen to their actions, not their words. And their words have told you over the course of this entire season, they do not view, at least not right now, Brady Cook is the answer over Connor Bazelak. And if I'm Brady Cook, message heard loud and clear. I don't want the kid to transfer. I want him to be at Mizzou. I think he should be in the competition to be their starting quarterback. I think he's better than Connor Bazelak and gives them a better chance to win. I think that was the case against Arkansas. I've said that for a while now. But if I'm him, I'm going to go find another opportunity where somebody views me as being the guy that can win. Um, I'm not trying to push him out because, again, I value him. But the coaching staff has made it loud and clear heard exactly how they feel about both of their backup options right now. At least with Macon, he's a freshman. I can explain that one away. There's no excuse, explanation, anything that makes sense as to why they are so incredibly loyal to Connor Bazelak when he goes 10 for 26 for 65 yards and a touchdown when this is a continuation of a trend, not a deviation from it. In his last three, four games this year, just not good, man. Just not good. Nope. And I know there's a lot of tea leave reading uh, on social media with, oh, you know, Brady Cook liked this tweet with someone saying, let Brady Cook or like Tyler Macon post something that's kind of vague and very 19 year old because yeah. that's what they are like whatever like you can read into it whatever it's going to be these guys also you know they have their perceived value and they know where they are where they stand with this coaching staff right now it's up to them to make their own decision if brady cook wants to stay here and try to beat out Bazelak and horn and make next year knock yourself out man kind of seems like <laughs> you had plenty of chances this year and it didn't happen so you know take that for what you will but um you know, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. I'm with you. I want both to stay. You want a full quarterback room to, to challenge and, and, and push each other, but if it feels like the deck is stacked stacked against you and uh you're not even giving a shot when this is being trotted out, then yeah, totally understand. Um but yeah, I, I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen. But I do know Basilak's gonna start the bowl game, I'll tell you that. Um you know, I've seen a lot of very funny comments about oh, you know. Let's have each quarterback get a quarter and then, uh, you know, basically, you know, Drinkwitz can figure out what he's got against whatever opponent. Like, okay, fine, whatever. I don't care. I just, this, this is not, this is, this is not what he's going to do. So, um, this is where we're at. This is our quarterback for 2021. Uh, either he recovers and becomes great for the next three more years that we have of him, um, or someone passes him up. And we're not going to be able to figure that out until uh, spring camp, fall camp. So, um, I think it's going to be a fall camp battle. 
I, I don't think this is something I, I think Connor oh, Bazelak like leaves spring as the starter unless there's a transfer that comes in from elsewhere. And that's something that's going to take a lot longer to be able to determine. Um, we'll, we'll find that out within the next month or so. I would imagine most of these guys like to know kind of where they're going by January. But uh, for the here and now, I, I think my expectation is Connor Bazelak will be your starting quarterback coming out of the spring. And then it will between be between him and Horn for the starting quarterback going into the fall. At this point, I do think Missouri takes a transfer quarterback. Are you leaning that direction as well? I think so, because I think that you're going to lose at least one, if not both, of mm-hmm. uh, Cook and Macon. I I think at this point, it's it's hard for me to believe Cook is back next year. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's shown enough to both myself and to any other team out there. Like, if I'm a group of five team, I absolutely want to get Brady Cook on That's my right. roster. You know, and, and if I'm... Honestly, some power five teams, like if I'm Illinois, for example, I don't have a quarterback. My quarterback options are terrible. I was playing like a 27 year old as my quarterback this year, and he he wasn't even very good. And despite that, I was able to be at least competitive. I, I beat Penn State. Um, I was able to beat Minnesota. I, I've got something to offer this kid, and we're not far away from home for Brady Cook. That's the kind of place that I could see him going to. And even if not thriving, at least performing well. So I think there will be some power five opportunities for him to at least compete for a starting job and definitely group of five places where he'll be guaranteed a spot as a starter. Northwestern too. I mean, I don't know Brady cooks grades or anything like that, but God Northwestern has needed a quarterback for as long as Northwestern football has been a thing. Um, So they, you know, again, not as close as, as champagne, but Chicago is not too far from St. Louis. I, who knows? You know, he could very well end up as, a, you know, an FCS or a G5 or a D2. Like, who knows? Uh, Go out but, to Memphis. Like, all of the regional yeah, schools make sense. Arkansas yeah. State, any of those types of places. <laughs> Arkansas State, he could... Uh, man, that would be great, man. I, I, he will be great. Um, I, great. I think he'll be a very good college quarterback. Let me put mm-hmm. it that way. Um, and the fact that he can't do it here is, is obviously very frustrating and I want him to do well. And if, if he wants to stay here again, we'll take him and that's great, but certainly understand if he's going to leave. Um, so let's get to the good because despite a doubling up by the Razorbacks, we did have a pretty heroic moment overall. Tyler Beatty, 41 carries, 41 carries, 290. 18 yards, one touchdown. He did have a catch for negative five yards, but we're not going to talk about that because again, 41 carries for 219 yards and a touchdown. The big thing of course, is that this breaks the single season rushing record at Mizzou. Uh, Devin West held it since 1998. Now keep in mind, and I think we talked about this on the show last time. And I know uh, that Dave matter has been citing it quite a bit. Um, that this does not count bowl games. Devin West's record does not uh, include the bowl game where he rushed for like 123 yards or something like that. But the point is, Tyler Beatty, regular season, 1,604 yards. Devin West, 1,578. So 23 years in the making. He finally did it. Uh, So congratulations to Tyler. Please do not play the bowl game. You have nothing else to prove. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, he said afterwards, I definitely want to play it. Talking about the bowl game. No, <laughs> Tyler, get on the phone with your agent. Get on the phone with honestly Eli Drinkwitz. All of them should be telling you the same thing. Son, 
you did everything that you were asked to do this year. You rushed the ball 41 times in a game that Mizzou had no chance of winning after like the midway through the second quarter, something like that. I mean, your workload this year was historic and you're going to be at least in the mix for some postseason awards. Mm -hmm. You broke the all time Mizzou single season rushing record. You proved everything there was to prove here. And now it's time for you to go get paid, young man. Mm-hmm. And go go do everything you can to make sure you make the most money possible on that rookie contract. And that's that's what should lie ahead for Tyler Beatty. And by the way, Mizzou has no idea who's going to be starting running back next year. So maybe this bowl game can serve as an opportunity mm-hmm. for some of those guys to show what they're capable of. I don't know if it's going to go well, but it doesn't matter. It's a bowl game. Um, these things don't matter in the grand scheme of things. I know when you look at the record at the end of the year and you look back on college football reference and you're like, oh, they were six and seven. Maybe that looks more icky than seven and six on the sheet. I don't care. Go in there and see what these guys can do for you. Tyler Beatty did everything he needed to. That guy just what an unbelievable season. Really was. Um... I mean, again, halfway through the year, we were already hitting the what what's left to say. And he did another six games and did even better in those. So it's I I've seen a lot of comparisons to like greatest greatest season ever. I guess, you know, gun to your head, BK, which one was more impressive? Two thousand nine Denario Alexander or two thousand twenty one Tyler Beatty? So it's interesting because I I mean, Denario was just unstoppable in every possible way. Like he was a a human highlight reel, right? Mm-hmm. The the difference for me with what we saw from Tyler Beatty is the team he was on, and what I mean by that is he was the singular force that you had to stop. We knew at the time Denario was playing with a future pro pro quarterback. With Blaine Gabbert. And mm-hmm. Blaine wasn't at the peak of his powers at that point in time. But you knew what the future held for him. So it he was less reliant on players around him. Who this is no shot against the guys around Tyler Beatty. But it's just the reality of it. He was less reliant on guys who were going to be accountants. And um, salesmen. And dentists. And whatever else. Right? Like he was, he was relying on a future pro. In Blaine Gabbert. So... For that reason, I will say the one that maybe impresses me more is what we saw this year out of Tyler Beatty. But if I'm just talking about like singular forces of unstoppability, if you want to use that as a word, I don't know if that's a word or not, but I'm going to use it here. I would I would go with Denario Alexander back in Mm -hmm. 2009. So I think they're almost judged on two different levels, but gun to my head, I'll go Denario. But this one was I mean, to put it even into the same conversation is is a feat in and of itself. I would go Denario Alexander too, because what he was doing, like the plays were incredible. Mm-hmm. Like think back, maybe the greatest singular game I've, I've ever watched was Missouri, Kansas state 2009. And the types of catches he made where he would like get hit in the middle of the air, catch it anyway, land on one foot, and then keep running <laughs> or just, you know, outleap everybody, drag a toe in the back end zone, just lower the shoulder and barrel over a safety like he was doing everything. Part of that is just that the passing game is always going to be just a very um, glitz and glamour, impressive yeah. kind of style of play. 
Whereas, you know, even the best running backs, including Tyler Bay, like you're going to get a handful of like two yards, one yard, three yards. And you're like, uh, okay. But it's like the shoot through the middle, you know, 20 yards or like stiff arm, some fool into the ground, 25 yards like that. Those are the plays, but there's more plays for a running back than, you know, than catches that a receiver is going to make. But even still, while Denario might have impressed me more with the athleticism of his play, Tyler Beatty impressed me with the work ethic and the grind and like he got better as the game went on. I think one of the most incredible stats is Dave Matter citing like Beatty's yards per carry just grew exponentially as he went from first to second to third to fourth quarter. And that that is is a different type of impressive, but impressive nonetheless. Um, So it's also like just to add on to what you just said there, Nate. Yes. It's also something that we didn't think was possible. And I think that adds to the lore of what we watched this year with Tyler Beatty is the biggest question about him was, can he hold up over the long haul? Can he be the I hate this term, but the bell cow for a running back or for, for a football team offense? And the answer was a resounding yes. And also not only was it yes, it was he's going to get better the more carries you give him. You mm-hmm. cited the the yards per carry. He was at 5.1 yards per carry in the first quarter. He was at 7.3 yards per carry in the fourth quarter this year. That's unbelievable, man. Like that that's impossible for a guy who is and I know we cite the the, the size all the time, but he's like 5'11 and a buck 90. 5'8 194. I mean, that's absurd for yeah. for him to be able to do that at that size. I mean, even if he was 6'2", 250, it'd be <laughs> yeah. absurd to be able to do this. And mm-hmm. then you take into account how his, his stature, I mean, he answered every question that anybody could possibly have about him. Yeah, he really did. You know, and, and what's crazy is an offense that features Tyler Beatty and Denario Alexander, neither one would have the numbers that they put up in the singular season. Because part of this is that, yes, one relied on an NFL quarterback and the other one relied on Donner Bazelak, but... You know, they were it. They were the weapon. And mm-hmm. and so you get those just crazy target numbers, crazy catch numbers, crazy uh rushes. Um because you have to. You have to be that kind of guy. So it's kind of a perilous situation when you have a guy who thrives so well because you're often sucks so bad, but like it's also it's great. It's great for them because they look awesome. Uh, so it's, it's a very unique circumstance. You don't always want to have it, but here we are. Um, so, I mean, yeah, tip of the cap to Tyler Beatty. I don't know where he ranks on, you know, the Mount Rushmore of, of Missouri football players, the Mount Rushmore of Missouri running backs, but he's certainly the number one single season rush king uh, as far as yards go. God, I can't imagine that gets broken any time in the next 10 years. I mean, huh. Drinkwitz loves to run his running backs into the ground, but I kind of feel like that should, as long as everything goes well, that should be safe for a while, don't you think? I mean, this one was safe for, what, 23 years? 23, so I, yeah. It, it's going to be tough for it to be beat any time in the near future. I've got one more stat for you. I just saw this. I found this interesting. Hmm. Um, I know you love your success rates, right? I do. Tyler Beatty, inside of the red zone this year, he was handed the ball as a as a runner. 36 times okay he scored a touchdown on 11 of those 36 carries Mm -hmm. and it resulted in a first down on 12 of them (laughs) tyler Beatty essentially two out of every three times that he touched the ball in the red zone either got you a first down 
for a touchdown. That's remarkable. I mean, that's that is, by the way, six of those 36 carries went for at least 10 yards. <laughs> Damn. I mean, it's just he he was in so many different ways, the perfect player for, for Mizzou this year. He really was. And I hope that uh, he sits out the bowl game and goes and gets ready for the NFL because he has nothing left to prove here. But hey, I was worried. I, I was worried what? about him this year losing yeah. some of that effectiveness on a yards per play basis. I do remember yards that. per touch. Yeah. He was basically the same dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just it's absurd. It it's so silly, some of the numbers that he was able to put up. I it, it really is, man. I, I'm so happy for him because so so many doubted whether or not he could do this, and some of them were legitimate questions, and he just he smashed every one of those questions into the ground. Mm-hmm. I made the I made the comp before the season of him versus um, Naheem Hines. I mean, Naheem Hines' season looks silly compared yeah. to what we watched from yeah. from Tyler Beatty. So, congratulations to him, and I, I hope it was in some ways uh, the last time that we get to watch him, just because it means good things for his future. But uh, man, I'm gonna miss him. Me too. Me too. He's had a great, great four years. I mean, I remember him bursting onto the scene. In 2018, um, I believe he was the guy who caught the pass from Drew Locke at the end of the uh, towards the end of the Purdue game that converted on the fourth down. And you're like, oh, oh who's yeah. this kid? Um, so he's he's made an impact pretty much every year he's been on the team. I'm obviously he was second fiddle for most of that, but um, just a just a great career, great career all around. Uh, but we still have a team that's got something to prove because they still have a bowl game to play. And I don't, I don't know if the player is going to be super interested or just waiting for the season to get over with, but we do have one more on the docket. And really the fact that there is a bowl game at all is a testament to the staff and, and this team, you know, I, we both talked about this in the, on the Arkansas pregame, but like rewind the clock to Halloween week. Right, Missouri is what three and four, zero oh and three in the SEC. They got Vanderbilt. Now they just came off a bye week, but the season so far had gone win loss, win loss, loss, win loss. And you entered the bye week after getting smoked by A and M. You do get Luther Burden to commit during that bye week, so that was pretty cool. And then you go on the road to Vanderbilt, and. Missouri won. We we know Missouri won. It was not as easy as it should be. A little bit of a dogfight. But 37-28, victory, in-conference victory on the road. Boom. Okay. Then you get Georgia. And we all knew what was going to happen there. But then we got South Carolina. And that was like, okay, is this defense legit? Because somewhere in that bye week, everything clicked. Now, unfortunately, at the Vanderbilt game, Connor Bay's like got hurt <laughs> or at least we visibly saw him get hurt. I'm kind of thinking that might've been it. Maybe it was earlier, but you see a, a flip there, but in the end, Missouri closes strong, right? Win loss, win, win loss. So you go three and four in, in your first chunk, then you go three and two in the second. And you know, that's not easy. South Carolina, Florida, those games you could lose easily. Arkansas, we didn't lose, but like, it feels like that w- the bowl game was not possible. It felt like this, this part of the schedule was going to be even tougher. And yet Missouri came out with three wins. And 
I don't know. I know some people came in thinking 10 wins. I thought seven or six. This seems like a successful year. Does it not? Yeah, I, I think it, given all of the context that we now have, and most notably the context of what the quarterback position was going to look like. I mean, I expected the quarterback play to be better this year. And honestly, it, it was better for the first three weeks and then into overtime against Boston College. I think that was I, there was a clear delineation in Connor Basilek's performance this year, and it was the overtime throw that he made against Boston College. Up to that point, he had been mostly fine, if not good. After that point, he was mostly bad. Um, and so when I take that into account of what this season was going to be and what it ended up becoming. I, yeah, I think six and six is kind of what you would have hoped slash expected. I think what really what hurts is that you lost that game to Boston college. Mm -hmm. If they just win that one, they go seven and five. They basically beat all the teams on the schedule that they should have. And also got that win against Florida. When it, I don't think a whole lot of people going into that week were picking them, even though Florida wasn't exactly in the best place. I understand that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that would have been considered almost unanimously a successful year. That Boston College loss in overtime and the Tennessee shellacking at home, those two things back to back is what put the bad taste in everybody's mouth. And then it was a matter of, OK, are you going to be able to overcome this down the stretch? I think they did just about everything they could to do so because they just were never going to beat Georgia. They were never going to beat Texas A&M. And realistically speaking, they probably weren't ever going to beat Arkansas. That's a pretty good team. That's probably underrated mm -hmm. where they were ranked right now. So I think they did just about everything they could. And with all of that in mind, yeah, I would consider it to be a successful year, although nobody's going to be writing home about a six and six season in 2021. It's really now they've got to prove it in 2022. And then 2023 is the year that they got to start winning. It really is. And I think one of the, the most frustrating things for me with this season is not so much the record. Obviously, I had lower expectations than some coming into this season, but I was, I was always talking, especially during the off season or off season shows, I was talking about look for the younger guys, look for who's playing, look at their development because much like 2011, 2012 heading into 2013, 14, you want to see those pieces develop. You want to see them take their lumps and, and get better. Uh, without, you know, not necessarily winning, winning some, but not all. But you want to see that on the field. You want to see the youth on the field as some kind of hope. And I think one of the more frustrating things, again, I'm going to go back to Baselight because that's what all our shows are about, um, is that we kept seeing him and we didn't see Cook or Macon who were younger and offered a little bit more hope. Now, the real guy is going to be Sam Horn and, and we'll see how he does next year. But you didn't see a whole lot of Mookie Cooper and Dominic Lover down the, love it down the stretch. like. Drinkwitz apparently is in this mode where he has to win games now. So he trotted out Kiki Chisholm, Toski Dove, Barrett Bannister, receivers that could block, receivers that he just trusted more. And they weren't the young guys. You know, JJ Hester flashes at the beginning, thought we hear in some playing time, and then just dropped off the face of the earth. And you're never going to see young offensive linemen. Obviously, you saw Mikai Wingo flash. You saw, you know, Chad Bailey finally become something. And, you know, Chris Abrams drain and a little bit of DJ Jackson. So, like, there is some youth that's mostly on defense. 
But on offense, you really just kind of saw the guys from last year. And you didn't see a lot of youth as you headed down the stretch. So like that, those guys are going to be gone. Boo Smith, Kiki Chisholm, Michael Wilson, Barrett Bannister, they're gone. So we're going to see those receivers next year. It would have been nice for them to see some live action this year in hopes that that can kind of expedite their improvement, right? As, as we head into 22. And like you said, when you have to win in 23. I'm, I'm with you in a lot of different ways. Um, I, I think along the O line, you saw it a little bit more. I mean, you saw Luke Griffin getting some decent uh, extended opportunities down the stretch. I know it was based on injury, but it happened nonetheless. You, you did see Dominic Lovett get quite a bit of playing time this year at receiver. I think you're going to see Mookie Cooper with a healthy year get there. And obviously next year, really the receiver that you're going to be counting on is a guy that's not on campus right mm-hmm. now. And that's Luther Burden. So between those three, that's, that's really what the future is going to hold. And then I do think they need to get more out of JJ Hester. I think Boo Smith is going to carve out a role for himself. I, I was a little disappointed down the stretch to not see uh, Looper get more involved. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked what we saw out of him early on in the season. And he's going to be a guy that I think moving forward, you'll see more of, or at least I hope that you'll see more of. So that's a group right there of six players that are what sophomores or below mm-hmm. that are going to be significant contributors. The quarterback spot is obviously one that is notable, but they just weren't going to make that move tight end. We finally saw them make the switch this week after Daniel Parker Jr. was ruled out with the flu. Mm-hmm. They saw my guy, Ryan mm-hmm. Horsecamp. Uh, he finally got some opportunities out there. So I, I just, I was with you for the majority of the season, but the places where it was most glaring was quarterback and running back. Those were the two spots. And now looking back, I think they were right to ride Tyler Beatty the way that they did. I mean, it, it ended up working out well, and maybe this is a results-based opinion of mine, but I, I think you kind of have to look at it that way in some ways. Beatty was the reason that they were as competitive as they were for much of the season. Sure. And it comes down to what did you get at the quarterback spot? And for whatever reason, they just didn't trust their other options. So while I disagree with that assessment that they had at the quarterback position, I, I think it really just becomes a question of do they trust Sam Horn more than they trusted their options this year? And we'll have to wait. Um, I mean, I know early on I was complaining about Tyler Beatty's workload. And, you know, for what it's worth, Michael Cox got three carries, I think, in this game. Um, But, like, you don't see Taj Butts. You don't see a lot of B.J. Harris or Elijah Young. Elijah Young's great at returning kicks and punts, but, like, you don't really see him outside of that. So, you know, we... We have said it before, running back is pretty replaceable as far as production and, you know, kind of predicting what's going to be successful. DeForest Jones could step into a role next year and just be the same guy. You never know. As um, Beatty? No. Let's <laughs> do like, replacement level on, SEC running back. Right? Let's reel this in. Uh, I agree. In general, replacement uh, running backs are the most replaceable position. Not this one. <laughs> not 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 this guy. This guy's a little different. But yeah, you could get like slightly below Demarie Crockett level production out of whoever the next running back is. But the thing is, is that you know next year you are probably going to be rotating three guys, two at least. Right? Agreed. Like, there's no one Cox, on this Young, roster. and probably one other guy. 
there's no one on this roster that's going to be as reliable, as durable, and as explosive in key moments as Tyler Beatty is. So, no, you will be, well, you should be rotating. Um, but, like, you know, if you want to run Tyler Beatty 41 times in the closing game, sure, knock yourself out. Like, that's that's legitimately probably our best option. I get that. Um, so I'm less concerned about the running back usage. But, you know, quarterback, yes. Receiver, yes. But, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. You know, like you said, Cooper's hurt. I, we've all known he's been hurt since game one, even since before the game, the season kicked off. So what we saw this year was not going to be a good representation of what he could do. And I get that. Um, I was just, I was mostly shocked by, by love it. And certainly looper as well, but shouldn't have been shocked by love it. Somebody on this show told you this is the way that he look, would be used. I know <laughs> that you said that he's limited. I would love to see him run those limited routes a little bit more. Um, you know, he but, ran him. He was running those wind sprints, man. He was running them really well. Running them fast down the field is great to perfection. He's like, can't hit him for crap. No. Nope. Anyway. And that's the problem. Um, so I, I don't know what this passing attack is going to look like next year, mostly because you're not totally sure if, you know, Bazelak's going to get any better in the passing game or who's going to start, but like, you That's know, you're going to have Luther Burden, you know, he's going to bring something to it. Um, Nico Hayes back. So, you know, you're going to have him and then yes, what love it and Cooper and probably Hester, Hester Dove, yeah, Burden and Boo Smith. I think those are, yeah, those are your guys. Pretty sure Boo Smith is not coming back, by the way. Oh, really? He I saw a picture with of him with a rock getting carried off the field. Oh, that makes me sad. Yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah. Can they can they convince him? Can, can, <laughs> can you not do what you just what, did? <laughs> what, can can we put it back? How do how do we put that back up there? <laughs> I mean, I love Boo Smith. Uh he's very He has a role, man. And he's the love I, it I don't role. think they have anybody else. <laughs> He's the love it role, except smaller and faster. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. Maybe he comes back. I don't know. But bring back Boo. Hashtag. Bring get it on Twitter. Get it. Let's get this trending. We need Boo back. <laughs> bring back my Boo. Um, God, that's funny. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a very young receiving core, kind of regardless of who you trot out there. Dowski does going to be the old man, but uh, that's about it. So. It that could be good. That could be bad. I don't know. I kind of feel like if you have Luther Burden, it's going to be good no matter what, but um, that's going to be limited, but it's going to be a lot of new pieces in 2022. And we talked about the difficulty of that schedule. Um, that's going to be a tough schedule to show improvement on. And if Dringwitz feels pressure to win now, you know, try and try and trot out another six and six season next year and see if the, the natives are any less restless than they are. Um, but it all comes back to recruiting. And so far he's done wonders with that. And I do think, you know, five and five in year one, which don't even count 2020, but let's for argument's sake, five and five in in 2020, six and six, probably six and seven in 2021, but you got to a bowl game. You've qualified for bowl games both years, 2022, you know, you probably should shoot for seven, but six and six is very much on the table. And then 2023, you hope that all the recruiting pays off and all the all the talent is old enough that you can make some noise. But um, that's kind of your your what we're looking at right here. And and it would be helpful to have that youth get good really really fast because uh, 2023 comes a lot faster than you think. Yeah, well, the other thing to keep in mind here is everything could be thrown up in the air if Oklahoma and Texas end up in the SEC next year. Like we just. Sure. 
we don't even know who they're playing or who's going to be in the conference eight months from now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's such a uh, it's a crapshoot in terms of what the schedule will look like and what that means for their overall ability to compete at a high level. So like me saying right now, an eight win season is the threshold that you need to meet in a normal situation. Maybe that's true. If next year, instead of playing teams like Vanderbilt and uh, I'm trying to think of it as South Carolina, you're playing Texas and Oklahoma. And who knows what that's going to mean? Maybe that changes a little bit, you know, so it's such a fascinating offseason on every possible level. And I cannot wait to talk more about that on Wednesday's show because, (laughs) whoo, buddy, the college football landscape was put onto its side earlier this weekend. We will get into that. We will get into that. I feel like half of the SEC might have a new coach next year. It feels that way. And yet the entire SEC minus Vanderbilt is going to a bowl. So like that's, <laughs> these are strange times, man. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think we're good on, on Arkansas. We didn't need to talk a lot about it, but we it are at bad. the end of the regular season. It was season. all bad. The season wasn't all bad. It was pretty much the recap of today's show. Basically TLDR. Um, but yeah, any, well, that was your party shot. That's all I'm going to give you. That's going to be our show for today. We always appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. So thank you for listening in this time. Uh, leave a comment, leave a rate. We love all types of feedback. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nietzsche Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. And you can listen to BK on the radio in St. Louis, 101 ESPN. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, MIZ. See you.